Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up. Happy Sunday, guys. It is so awesome to be able to share an interview with you today. And today, our guest is famous actor Sam Morgan. Today's episode is only part one of a two-part series, and I'd be remiss if I did not tell you the story of how this episode happened. So you know me, I love stories, and I know it's a long episode, but I promise you it is worth every second. So Sam and I went to high school together, and we ran in a similar circle of friends. Like I know it sounds weird, but my memories of him are like standing at a bonfire together because there's not a lot to do in Indiana. And (laughs) that's just what we did. And I dated one of his really close friends named Jack. And when I I was during college, about during college, or right after college, that he kind of reappeared on Facebook with this new image. He had longer hair. He had lost weight. He had gotten stronger and he was, he was, they were modeling pictures. And you all know how it goes when you see someone from your past who's clearly gone through some type of self improvement and has this amazing new headshot or whatever. You're, you're curious about it. So I I remember I started following him. I, I think I talked to one of my best friends from high school and said, wow, can you believe like Sam Morgan? He looks so great, blah, blah, blah. Flash forward to very, very recently in 2018, he wrote to me and said, congratulations on your book. I'm so proud of you. If I can support you in any way, let me know. And I said, oh my gosh, thank you. Like an Amazon review would be awesome. And then a couple of weeks later, he posted that, hey, I landed an acting role in the show American Woman. And I'm really excited. It's airing, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, I wrote it down. I planned to watch it. I couldn't wait to see him on screen. And I really wanted to know his story. Like, how does an Indiana boy end up starring in a show with Alicia Silverstone? I was just so curious. And so I reached out. I said, Sam, oh my gosh, congratulations. Like, how can I support you? I want to know more about this. And then flash forward, I was, you know, working on this podcast. And as you listened last week to the episode with Brooks Yang, it's an even smaller world that this girl from Missouri ends up in Hollywood on set with my friend from high school. So super crazy small world, but I just knew then I need to interview him. The people need to know that an actor is very much living the portfolio lifestyle because when you're waiting to become an actor or waiting for your film to get funded, and again, he's not just an actor, you'll learn more about that. You know, you have to work other jobs. You have to manage your time well. So I knew he'd be the perfect candidate. And he was just that. And again, full disclosure, you know, I keep it real. Sam and I had a two-hour podcast in December of 2018 recorded. And then we had a technology glitch. And it was this amazing episode. And so if the beginning of this episode you're about to hear today sounds in any way, shape, or form choppy, it's because... He was so incredibly, uh, I don't even know, generous with his time to sit down with me again and knowing all of the knowledge bombs he dropped the first time I sat down with him and how amazing our conversation was. You can tell during this podcast that I'm trying very hard to jog his memory for some of the things that I just really wanted you to know. So I don't want to say that I sound like the most amazing interviewer because I know that I don't, but I want you to know that I was just trying my best to 
one, have a natural conversation, but two, not forget about the things that I know Sam can explain so well and the things that he can really help you with. So I really hope you'll listen to this episode, part one, just so you're aware. It goes over kind of how Sam got in Hollywood, his best tip for how to get where you want to go and and be in the circle of people you want to be in and basically how he is currently living his truth and staying humble and staying focused. And the next one goes into more about the creative process and how to find your true self. So part two kind of does goes a little bit deeper into all the how-tos and all of that. So I hope you enjoy this episode even if you are not an aspiring actor or involved in the Hollywood movie industry at all, I know you will love this episode. So enjoy. And as always, if you have questions, please let me know. And remember, I'm giving away a $100 Amazon gift card. So if you repost our podcast in your Instagram stories three times in February. You comment on one of our Dare to Move podcast Instagram posts and you leave us a review. Your name will go into the drawing for a $100 Amazon gift card. And I just want to say I appreciate all of your support so, so much. Without further ado, today's part one episode with Sam Morgan. I can hear you. How are you? Sweet. Wait, okay. You can hear me now? I can. All right. <laughs> it sounds really good. And it's, yeah. <laughs> We're no way. First time. <laughs> no way. I We're going to really, get it right this we time. We are going to get it right. And selfishly, I'm just glad we get to connect again because Hell um, yeah. we had such a great conversation. And I also think it gives us a lot more to even go off of. Yeah. For this. Love so it. how's your new year going so far? It's been busy. I mean, in, in the best way possible. I've had some really, really cool auditions and, and callbacks, which like as an actor working in a city like Los Angeles or New York or whatever, it's that is also part of the, the work. If I can phrase it in a way that like, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I'm trying to say with this, but like I was talking to my mom the other day and you know, sometimes when you're working freelance, the idea of unemployment can make you feel lazy, even though you're working really hard. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I think every freelance person can probably relate to that, that idea. And so treating job audition or treating auditions and callbacks and things like this to get a job as an actor on like a commercial or a TV show or a film, I'm framing in my mind every time that that is also an interview for a job. Oh, okay. That is me actively seeking employment. I, you know, I have an agency that, you know, reps artists and, and actors, but that's still a job agency, you know, that's sending me out and connecting me to employers. And, and it's very much just like a regular job. And, and so I'm trying to frame it in my mind as that so that I don't get down on myself and have this negative image of myself as this person who just sort of like sits and waits for people to give them work. Well, and I love that you say that for a couple of reasons. One I, it's very Midwestern of you to feel purposeful, to feel productive, to feel like you're in a kind of like we talked about the last time we connected, like in a box that makes sense to what we yeah. know, right? <laughs> and then the other yeah. part is you had mentioned that you were going to go to yoga today. And I find that whenever I'm waiting on things, I am in yoga because yeah. it's like the one place I can clear my mind totally. and not get stressed out. 
So I'm sending totally. you all the positive vibes that you hear back. Thank you. That's Thank you. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. And yeah, it's that thing that we talked about. And I think that's one of the themes of the podcast is what you do while you're waiting. Yes. I was about to read that quote that the quote that you had <laughs> written down, you remember was who you become while you're waiting is just as important as what you're waiting on. And if I remember correctly, and because I, I really just want the listeners to hear you had explained that you, your agent has like three rules for you <laughs> to, to make sure you're doing the right thing. But I'd love to know how you keep yourself in check because it sounds like, Oh, right now you oh, oh, right. Oh, my manager. Yeah. My manager. Okay. Yeah. So, right. So just for anybody listening, this is like a very common, like I, I, it took me a while to figure out what like an agent does versus a manager and, you know, all these different people that sort of comprise your team when you're an actor and, or any artist. But so my manager, so manager develops you okay. in my, in my experience of it, a manager will take you on in a much more raw sort of like underdeveloped place and start helping you craft, you know, an image and what you're trying to go out for, what type of work you want to do. They, they sort of hear what your dreams are and they help you sort of visualize that. And then once you visualize that with them, then you start getting work. And then once you get the work, then that will help you to secure an agent who is maybe a little less involved with you on a interpersonal level but they're more of, like I said, an employment, you know, in, in a very, like, I mean, I'm sure any agent who's listening to this is like, we're not just an employment agency, <laughs> but it's like, but, but they'll, they can push you in a much broader sense. Whereas a manager helps you with very like finite personal sort of like, you know, who is Sam? What is Sam's brand? What does Sam want to represent to people? What type of work speaks to Sam as a, an individual? So we can like cultivate that and give you the career or not give you, but help you develop the career that you, you want. So anyways, that's, that's a very long way really of saying. No, it's super <laughs> interesting. It actually brought up uh, I had a question that to follow up on that. I think, sure. you know, when we, and I saw you face to face when we video chatted for the first time in 10 years, 10 you years. know, we joke, we joke, but like <laughs> your look has gone from like the Sam I knew in high school to as you actually have on your own Instagram, someone's boyfriend on TV. And <laughs> you have this look about you. And and you said something really powerful. And I'd love to, for you to elaborate on that because it talks about, it goes, you know, into the whole theme of, of who you become. And you had said, you know, and it, it still has been sticking with me recently. You said it is intentional. Like totally. everything about w- what I look like right now is intentional. And I thought it was a very cool way to say something so objective in in a way that where a lot of people get in their own head or get too vain or get too like self-conscious it was just a very i just i would love for you to elaborate on that yeah so yeah it's funny because everybody was doing those like 10-year challenges on social media where they were like posting pictures of themselves from 10 years ago and i think that i deliberately don't look at pictures from that point in my life because high school was a really for me as an individual i think it was a really rough I, I didn't have an identity that I could really latch on to. And so I think I ended up in the mix with a lot of trying to be other people. I, you know, I was constantly trying to be someone else. And I remember walking around the halls at, at school and just envying the people that no one looked at. Because in, in a lot of ways, I'm not that everybody was looking at me in a, in a great way. It was just, I felt like I, you know, I attracted a lot of attention because, you know, I was artistic in a place where like, that's not really valued. You know, there was, I just think I threw people off and a lot of my friends happened to be very traditionally 
popular people, <laughs> you know, like they're just normally. You know, and, and so I think, I think that I just never felt like I could just get by. I always felt like I was this like big sort of like glaring sore thumb or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just, I feel like I really stuck out amongst the people that I chose to associate myself with. And so that being said, I don't really like to look at pictures of myself at that point in time because I don't see me in there. That's so interesting. And, and so, you know, I've seen the little bit on social media that you've posted as you've kind of evolved and we'll get into your story and how it it happened (laughs) so uniquely. But I would, I would be curious, like, what was step one for the people listening who are like, that's how I feel. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I can identify as really anything in particular right now. And I really just want to feel like, you know, I'm living my own truth or, you know, what, however you want to phrase it. I would love, like, what was the first thing that happened in college? Did it happen? Like when you traveled, like tell us. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I had a lot of, I think the first place I really started to find the real me was in relationships, which I know is not necessarily like a popular idea. And I don't think that you should get into relationships to, sorry, this is taking like a totally different path. No, and, this is what I love about you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so, you know, I had, I've had these relationships over time with, with people. And I dated this girl, Julie Kozlovich, who she's since passed away, but she sort of had her own reputation in school and she was really different than me. But when we were together, even though we would fight and bicker and all those things that couples do, she really saw something in me that I never really saw in myself up until that point. Yeah. And I remember just like sitting in her car all the time. And it was like, she was just so, you know, we definitely were not, we were not compatible. We had a very toxic relationship. However, that being said, the way she saw me was the way I wanted to see myself. And I love that. Yeah. And and I was like, Oh wait, so what if I chose to surround myself with people who saw me this way? And it only positively reinforced what is down there. Right. And so totally. And so it's funny that I didn't realize the full circle of that, but somebody's boyfriend on TV is, is funny because I like that. You know, I, I I just played like a sort of like love interest on, on, on TV. And that character was a sounding board, which I think traditionally those roles were like a lot of females were like, well, I don't want to just be like the sounding board of like the, the main actors problems. But as a male coming from that perspective, I actually found it really nice. I I liked that. I think it's, you know, it's different because society is set up the way that it is. Yeah, that is really interesting. I I appreciate that perspective. I feel like you're very in touch with your emotions from a little bit that you've (laughs) you've shared. Do you want me to start crying now? (laughs) Yes. It's not a complete interview until tears are shed. Yes. I do think it's really important that people understand a little bit of your journey. and, And I think... You know, the the funny, weird, small world thing to bring up is just that, you know, the people have heard my podcast with Brooks Yang, and I just found it incredible that someone I went to ski school with in third grade (laughs) met you. And and you can elaborate, but she also met you at like a pretty big moment in in your own career. So tell tell us about that. And I guess my little preview for it is that you kind of had the the thing that I think a lot of dreamers dream. And I'll let you take it from here. I don't want to give it away. 
Uh, well, and uh, guide me. So, so I met I Brooks. Had, oh, I had said to Brooks, I said, you know, a lot of people that aren't familiar with the, you know, Hollywood industry or acting or whatever think that they can show, oh. show up in Hollywood and just get, right. get a role. And I know several people from college who intern their butts off only to be like, right. let go, let on all the stuff. And I said, I only have one friend, Brooks, that actually did show up to Hollywood and kind of just, I mean, obviously I knew you had been to school and all those things, but I said, you know, he, he kind of landed a big role pretty quickly from what I understand. It was kind of this like really a whirlwind event. And he's now, you know, starring on uh, American woman. She goes, who's your friend? And then (laughs) she's like, there's only one person under the age of 30 on that show. (laughs) And it's me. (laughs) Yeah. So that was, yeah. So that was, I would love for you to walk us through like, where you were before, how it happened, yeah. and what it's meant to you. Sure, 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 sure. So I, I came to L.A. after living in Berlin. And again, it, it, I think the theme that I'm sort of like circling around in my head today, and I it wasn't necessarily what I woke up thinking to talk about, just sort of is happening during this conversation, is you are who you surround yourself with. Uh, and that is... It's actually... I feel like that's going to be the theme of today's talk, which I didn't really expect. It's like, you know... To become for the 10 year challenge, what happened since, you know, we were juniors in high school versus right now being, you know, in the aftermath of this TV show and sort of seeing myself the way that I am now versus then it was all about making that decision to surround myself with people who saw me the way that I wanted to be seen and really being honest with myself. Does this person view me as, you know, someone with a lot of potential and with all these things to offer? Does this person see me as a nuisance or as incomplete or not good enough because we all have these people in our lives who maybe view us a certain way, but it's our responsibility to say, okay, well, I, I don't need to be, be around that person. That person doesn't need to be around me. It's not beneficial to either of us. Who can I surround myself with? Because yes. chances are there are people in your world who will make you feel like you can accomplish anything. And that's the secret to me. Wow. Did you find them? Did you start to find them? When you were in Berlin, did you find them in New York? Did you find them in LA? You know, you find them everywhere. Mm -hmm. You find them, they're in every city. They're in your life right now. You just maybe aren't putting them in the position to make you your best self. And And well, being out there, maybe you're not being vulnerable enough to share. I mean, I think what you're talking about is you, and, and I would love to know this about you. When did you start to share? your hopes, your dreams. I mean, I don't, I don't remember in high school, I knew that you liked filming, but (laughs) I don't remember in high school that you were walking around saying, I'm going to be starring on TV. So I would love to know (laughs) when you started sharing that. Yeah. So I was always making films in high school. That was like, I would make just crazy stuff. I was always making people dress up in weird costumes and do stuff. And it was always kind of, that was always part of my free time. But I started sharing stuff like my dreams and stuff really when I went to NYU, maybe at Ball State, I I went to Ball State and I graduated early because I I didn't think I was getting the education that I needed, but I was, it was too late for me to transfer somewhere else. So I decided that I was going to get out in three years. And then I immediately went to school at NYU and they had a global campus that I could go to Singapore and Berlin. and, And then I was working as a model and going to school at the same time and just doing really any job that I could get my hands on so I could travel more. And so... Well, yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was really nice, but it's so sort of at the end of my ball state experience, but even then I was like, Oh, let the actors do their job. Uh And then when I got to NYU, I had professors who, you know, John Cassavetes is, is, is a famous director. He's passed away, but he's one of my favorite 
directors and a role model of mine. And he was an actor in commercial films and then did his own projects on the side with his friends and his wife. And they made all these amazing films together. And, and so my teachers saw that. And so I was, I must've been about 22 when my teachers were like, you know, you really need to start thinking about this as a career. And so I ended up coming out of NYU with a couple short films under my belt and a pretty good reel. And then I, I went to Berlin and shot another film. And, and so by that point it was, it was, it was real. Yeah, I, I was making it real. And you know, people tell me no all the time. I love that you said that. Thank you. I think that's a huge thing people need to realize is that you, and I could be wrong, you've probably heard no almost more than you've heard yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, sometimes insane. you get a really fast yes, you know? Yeah. But try, yeah. And you know, you know, what really got me into a better place with no, like the fear, because no is really scary mm. to me. And I think no is a really scary word. And what really got me into a good place with that was model castings because they are really brutal. (laughs) Tell us us more. You know, just, I I don't really want to name any like names necessarily, but you know, they could, I was at one casting for a really big show and they had all of us like locked in a hallway and there really wasn't air conditioning and we were waiting to get to the the room and then they started cutting people. And then I got to right to the door. They cut everybody. And it was like me and a couple other guys that looked like me. And then <laughs> right at the door, they're like, we don't need you go. Um, and like, like you spent your whole day just dying in the hot hallway, hallway uh, for somebody to just be like, you didn't even make it into the room. Yeah. And all my friends had gotten cut. Like it was, it was really intense and it was such an emotional like it was really, it was really hard to wait that long. You know, you're wondering, what am I waiting for? What am I here doing? And, and so, you know, those, those experiences are hard and, and very typical. I'm sure anybody who's listening, who's worked as a model has similar stories. And so that got me over the fear of no. And now it's funny when I get to go to an audition, I'm like, wait, I get to keep my clothes on and talk. This, yeah. is, <laughs> this is fantastic. Like yeah. what a great deal. Yeah, Like this is a great deal. How did modeling shape beyond that? Like just giving you some grit and tough skin. <laughs> how did it shape the way that you think? I'm about still sensitive things? though. We'll get into that. <laughs> I think I would love to know how you approach your when you think about acting and you think about what modeling taught you how do you prioritize your physical appearance you know i think your manager had like some rules for you and obviously you take them very seriously and then you add way more to them but i would just love for you to get a little bit into that because since so many people know me through fitness and wellness a lot of people out there that aren't trainers or athletes Mm -hmm. We'll say, oh, mm-hmm. well, I don't need to be in the gym every day because I'm not an athlete or I'm not whatever. And you're not either, but I would love no. to know why it's such a priority for you. Yeah. Well, the rules that my manager laid out for me were all about endurance in this career, you know, making it a marathon, not a sprint. And I love that. his three rules were stay in shape, you know, <laughs> keep your body physically healthy. Don't smoke and whatever. Don't drink or do drugs like don't party too hard basically and then don't spend more money than you have because you never know when you're going to be unemployed and that i think applies to a lot of freelancers you know yeah i don't think that's just me that that could benefit from that outlook and i really appreciate that yeah i think that yeah the term freelancer for me i always think writing 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 but in a lot of ways too freelancers are essentially like myself in the portfolio lifestyle you know you have 
different yeah. things, whether it's consulting jobs and all of that. So right. how do you wear different hats between, so walk us through yeah. getting- Do you want me to tell you how, why I stay in shape or do you- Oh, just... yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go on, go on. I'll, well, no, no, it's a, I can move on, but- No, I want to know. I want to know. I just totally jumped ahead. No, it's okay. The reason that I, I do stay in shape, obviously- is one for, you know, physical appearances, but two, you know, your body is a tool. And a friend of mine, I forget who it was, was telling me that something their dad had told them. And he was an older guy and he he was like a sort of self-made man, if I remember the story correctly. And he said, never injure your hands because that's your tool. (laughs) And I feel like that about your body, not that you should live your life in fear of injury, but just respect your body and find something that you enjoy in movement because it's your tool. It's, it's, it's such an asset to your life. And I think your body really is your greatest instrument that you'll ever acquire in life. And and so we have to take care of it. Did you have any battles with being self-conscious or low self-esteem aware, because I agree with what you're saying. However, I think women or even men that I've worked with who are like, I'm so down about my look right now. I couldn't ever find this being an asset. Is there any mental things you've worked on? Sure. Yeah. Visualization, I think is like, uh, kind of like the, the name of the game when it comes to that, you know, and that's what we talked about with, with my change in appearance. And you know, and then I think there's an, I told you there's, I kind of have this like nasty quote that I think is kind of funny and applies, but it's, you know, sit in the bathroom of the person you want to become. Yeah. If you sit in the bathroom of the person that you want to become, it's the same as if you see it, you can be it. But I think using the same bathroom as somebody is such a like, it means you're in close proximity. (laughs) So you can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah. So like, and it demystifies their process. Shitting in the same bathroom as the person that you want to become makes them immediately demystified because you see their process. You see what they do to achieve what they have. And if you see it, you can be it. I, I believe in visualization. And, and if you want to, you know, if you want to be fit, start running around with fit people, you know, fit people that make you feel positive about it and like body positive people for sure. Yeah. But if you, you want to be fit, hang out with fit people. And, you know, I have a friend who he's a, he's an editor of mine and he works with me on all my films. And so I'll, I'll sort of train with him every now and then. Cause he doesn't get a lot of that. Cause he's always working. He's always at his computer. And I feel like if you can surround yourself with people who are body positive and who, who help you see that version of yourself, you can always make the changes. And for example, working with him, it's like, it's really nice because we do these modified workouts and you know, him being around me and me being around him, he helps me with editing and I help him with, you know, personal fitness goals. And it's nice. It's, it's, it can be actually a really positive experience, which brings me to, he was talking about numbers. Oh, well, losing 10 pounds. And I don't really believe in that. I know that, I know that that maybe isn't popular amongst people like, oh, well, I want to lose weight, but I actually think the numbers will fall into place. If you you really really start visualizing the body that you want, I actually don't think scales really do anything. I think they're more of a, if you're only going for the numbers, you're always going to get that number back. Oh, that is you, huge. You know, like I haven't looked at a scale in since, since high school or something, but you can always focus on, did this workout fulfill me? Am I, is my body, does it feel great? Did these jeans fit the way I want them to fit? But you don't have to worry about numbers. I think the numbers are just a fake sort of 
milestone and, and that's not going to keep you engaged. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. And it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of money too, how people will totally like, visualize the amount of money you want to have and it's going to show up and it's, it's a metric of like energy you're putting out there. Just like the scale may later on happen to randomly reflect that you're down 10 pounds, right. but it's because of everything you're doing to look and feel like you said, the way you want to look. Totally. Oh, no. Like, do you see yourself living that, you know, and and I think you have to also find, sorry to get off on this tangent. Oh, it's okay. If if somebody's morbidly obese and it's like affecting their health in a negative way, then that is something that they should talk about with their doctor. And I have no place to talk about, you know, that, but I'm just talking about general fitness people, you know, my mom or my grandma always being like, I have to lose 15 pounds by the wedding or I have to lose 20 pounds by spring break, you know, whatever that type of talk. That I think you need to let go of the scale because you have to see yourself doing what you want to do. I.e. for me, I see myself, this sounds ridiculous, but like when I have to do sprints on the treadmill, I hate sprints. I hate running. I hate, I I like running in sports, but I don't like running for the sake of just running. I I hate it. It's just my thing. I just don't like it. But when I have to do it, I always imagine myself like, in this like action movie right and i'm just like sprinting sprinting sprinting. there's like arrows going past me and i'm like visualizing myself with this body running through this thing like this this sort of movie yeah and that's always been my thing you know that's that's always been something that i do i love visualizing myself it makes it fun and it can be it doesn't have to be an action movie you know if you're for example if you're if you're a grandparent and you're trying to figure out how to lose a couple pounds or, you know, have more muscle tone or whatever, imagine like playing with your kids and can you do a handstand still like for your grandkids? Can you pick them up? Can you swing them around? Like all those things you want to be able to do with your body, start there instead of starting at the scale. That is so powerful. And I absolutely love that. And also I don't know if you've read any of Mindy Collins books, but she has a chapter in one of her books that is, do you know, Beth Grant from, she plays Beverly on the Mindy Project. Did you ever watch? Yes. Okay, so she's going to be in my next film. She's like, she's playing a version of my mom. No way. My actual one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just shot. The, I'll show you. I'm. I'm going to launch the crowdfunding. Okay. Thing in a couple weeks, and I'll let you know about awesome. it. But um. I was just thinking yeah. of her because there's a chapter in in Mindy's book where she talks about when she's running, she'll like pretend she's like running from kidnappers or like, oh, really? like all these like hilarious things that like, they're obviously like a comedic spin on what you just said. Like I picture myself like skiing down like gates in like a ski course for whatever reason. I think exactly. It's, you know, it's something that keeps me like, cause I'm like scared of falling. You gotta go fast. Whatever. Totally. Like something weird, but I definitely do that too. And then it just made me think of Mindy because but, she's hilarious. <laughs> but wait, let's, okay. So you're pretty good at interviewing, but I'm going to turn it on you because Talk about that, like what you just said about skiing. What when? Can you just can you sh- do you mind sharing your visualization? Of course. So okay, so when you're skiing, ahead. just give us the whole picture, like paint the whole picture. What do you look like? How do you move? So when space I and all that? yeah, so when I when like at Barry's they count down on the treadmill like three, two, one. You're sprinting. I mm-hmm. want to when you're when you're skiing down gates and you're going really fast. You have to have. Yep perfect form and you have to trust your own strength and you have to lean into the burning feeling in your quads and get really Mm -hmm. tense in your core as you turn and you turn and trust that the speed is right and that you can handle it. And so whatever that visualization of like, okay, let's say that I picture myself trying to get through six gates on a ski course, that's typically going to take like, 
I don't know, less than 30 seconds. But by the time my treadmill is up to the actual speed and it's accelerated, that's when mm-hmm. I'm okay. Tuck, tighten, squeeze. Like, mm-hmm. and my brain gets this, like you, maybe you can relate, like is so focused on these turns and my skis and my form and like leaning into that, like uncomfortability that like, I don't realize I'm sprinting. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, and so the whole time you're seeing yourself with the body that you want yes in this situation that you enjoy yes even though you're just on a treadmill of berries yes absolutely and so that's what i would recommend to anybody who's interested in personal fitness goals is like you know what body do you want and give yourself joy in having that yeah because you know and and i I was telling somebody uh, i do muay thai a couple times a week at this dojo and yeah, I've been doing it for like three years now and I wow, really, I really love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And that for me is a personal reason for staying in good shape. I love it. I, you know, my cardio for kicking and, and, and just the form that it requires. And I love doing yoga because that helps me get a little bit deeper into not only my yoga practice, but also my Muay Thai practice and That's all that. Insane. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And it, it ties together too because like I want to be like, I love these action movies. I love the idea of bringing this whole thing full circle. And I think for me personally, it's a really powerful way to bring things to the front is make powerful decisions in your life towards them. Ah, so, so, so important. So if you want to be in that action movie, do action stuff, like just be around people who do stunts or, you know, find a way to to get bring it into your life as opposed to waiting for it to just be yeah and and i have actually two questions um, sure. i guess i'll start because we were more recently focused on this but who was somebody that you wanted to be shitting where they shit you know oh, was oh, there oh, a certain oh. person that stood out to you oh my, there well there's a million but <laughs> <laughs> one that was really the one that i realized early on was james franco and which is how i met brooks Oh, okay. I forgot about that. Right. And so, and I haven't, I haven't like had any contact with him in a while because, you know, life just moves people in all different directions. But when I first moved to LA, I met him on like my third day because a friend of mine was in his class at UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. A friend of mine had written one of the UCLA projects that Brooks was working on. And so she was like, come to this class. And then he was kind enough to, to let me coordinate, you know, being on a couple different films. And then I ended up acting in them and it was great. And I still work with this charity that he was connected to that he connected me to kind of. And yeah, so I remember being like, okay. And I'd gone to NYU hoping that I would be able to take his class. He stopped teaching at NYU. Like I had applied at 21 and gotten into NYU being like, well, I hope I'm in Franco's class because he taught third years. But anyways, he had already moved to UCLA. Wow, what a crazy manifestation. Yeah, well, I totally manifest it. And then I got to you know, spend basically a whole semester when I moved to Los Angeles in his class. Like, you know, I got oh everything that you could get out of a Franco class. It was really crazy that the third day it was like, here's your, this is your, the is James Franco class, class you wanted. A hundred percent. And so I got that. I was working with UCLA and USC and then he brought me on to shoot a thing with Keegan Michael Key. They did this like video interview and so I had like three or four months just like wow. doing projects that he was involved in and creating and, you know, and they all had their own experiences. Like, I don't think that, you know, it wasn't like we were, we weren't like chummy, you know, like whatever, but seeing him, I, I really feel gratitude for my personal experience with that. And 
getting to be on those projects. Cause I didn't necessarily learn as much from him as I did from the other people. And that's what I think is great about the universe. And if uh, I don't want to delve too deep into like metaphysical stuff, but like the world was my teacher. He was a conduit. I got to yeah. meet James and he was like, Hey, here's my assistant. You can talk to her. She can get you on all these projects. And then I would see him periodically, Yeah. but it was the people that I in got to interact with like Brooks. Yeah. Well, you know, even like Brooks, you know, people like that who I learned from and I, I made friendships with, and I still have contacts with and all those experiences that I had from that project. I met Beth Grant, my first shoot with him because he, he's a huge Beth Grant fan. And so then I met Beth Grant on his set and, and she was in this movie, Donnie Darko. That was like a staple. Like it, it's why I wanted to be a filmmaker and I, so wild. Yeah. And so I met her and I was just so in awe and she was so nice. And she gave me all this sort of like sage advice, <laughs> like, like my, my first week in LA. <laughs> and she brought me over to her house for a play reading that she had written. And I was sitting there and there were like so some surreal. famous people. <laughs> yeah, it was really surreal. And there was all these famous people in the living room reading this play. And I was like, oh God, I'm not. And I hadn't been on a TV show or anything at that point. I was just like, why am I in Beth Grant's house? And then, you know, flash forward after this TV show, the guy who's now a good friend of mine who created American Woman, Beth was in his first pilot no, for his, in, in the, the 90s. 90s. And so then I was like, you know, I want Beth to be in my movie. And so, and cut to now, you know, we're crowdfunding and Beth has, I've gotten to direct small videos with her oh, and I now we're working on a bigger project. project. Yeah, 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 I mean, it really, and so that's what I, so when I think about it, I'm like, James Franco and I don't have like a personal friendship necessarily but i'm so grateful to him for being in, in my, my life way. yeah in that way and he probably doesn't even realize like the amount of impact that has on me you know on my career it gave me i got to be my first feature film you know i got to act in a scene with him and topher grace and that sort of helped prepare me for working with alicia silverstone later and there were all these like sort of team you know <laughs> icons and it's just been, I don't want to go on and on, but it was just no. like, oh, I, I, lo really, I love that you are. It's That's the fabric of, of the experience for me is like, you don't know where it's going next. However, good things are always sort of available if you choose to see them. There is so much to unpack there. I think one thing that I really want you to explain for people, because sure. this is something I had to learn on my own too, is that so we talk about manifesting, we talk about seeing is believing, we talk about all these things coming back to you, right? And there's yep. these themes that you found in your life. And I could tell stories similar with just different names in place, right? Where sure. once you sure. figure out what it is that you want, you don't really know how it's going to happen. But nope. it, it seems to unravel in this kind of like entangled web that makes a lot of sense. And I would love for you to talk about what you do to keep yourself in the headspace of even first staying in tune with what it is that you want and then keeping yourself in a healthy, clean headspace despite all the rejection, despite the confusion, despite like, you know, having a whirlwind of a night like you just described at Beth Grant's house <laughs> and then two days later maybe being like rejected from something. Like what is right. what you do? Yeah. Well, okay. So there's this book called Million Dollar Arm that... I forget who it's, it's based on a true story, but the movie starred John Hammond. It's about this guy who's a talent scout for like professional baseball teams. And he goes to India and he scouts all these cricket players and he finds one and, or a couple. And anyways, that's like a very loose idea of the story, but he, he's a scout 
essentially. Okay. Or some sort of age, like some sort of sports agent. So anyway, so the guy, the real guy, not John Hamm, the guy John Hamm was playing, wrote a book called Million Dollar Arm that was about his experience going to India on this sort of leap of faith to find these cricket players to play American baseball. Wow. So ultimate manifester, right? This guy goes out, right? Right? Yeah. And I read this book when I was taking the Trans-Siberian and I I, I just, somebody had given it to me for free and I was like, okay, Okay, you know, why not? I'm like stuck on a train. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like sitting on a train with like no direction. I was like somewhere in Mongolia with, you know, (laughs) nothing, you know, whatever. Like I had had nothing really, I know direct goals. Okay. I just knew I had to make it to Berlin in time to, to start this fellowship and this was a couple of years ago. And so anyway, so I was reading million dollar arm and the one line that stuck out to me is he said, no means he said, well, he said, you know, guys get caught up and he just was referring to men as the general populace, which I don't agree with, but he was like, you know, people get caught up with dating rejection, you know, and they're like, Oh, well, you know, I'll never be able to get that perfect partner or whatever. And so I'm just not going to do it or whatever. And he said, well, the way I see no, is next opportunity. Wow. I love that. And that's what I would say to anybody who wonders how I do it. You just have to build that mantra into your life. No equals next opportunity. Oh, I chills again. You're killing so, it. This is insane. And so you had mentioned to me before that you do some journaling. Can you tell us a little oh, bit? All sorts of journal. I mean, it's like, it's really scattered though. The problem is like, I need to, assigned notebooks because i <laughs> like 17 <laughs> yeah, well no they just mix up like you know i'm in class right now and i'm like writing i'm doing like gratitude journaling like in my notes and it's just kind of messy but but yeah so journaling is well so there's i guess different types probably of journaling and there's like oh i can talk about my day or whatever but i don't really always feel like recounting the details of like a day i i, I don't i don't necessarily do that on a that's not my personal preference, but gratitude journaling is something that, you know, I learned about from Oprah Winfrey, (laughs) (laughs) Deepak Chopra, and a lot of those people talk about it. And the first time it came into my awareness was there was this girl in Singapore. I was living in Singapore and I met this girl at a party and she had all this money and a good job and everything like that. And, And I remember her being like, you know, I'm just really not happy. And Singapore is, is the opposite of Berlin. Berlin is like my heart and soul, and I cannot wait to live in that city one day again. But Singapore is sterile, and it's super hot and muggy. It's two degrees above the equator. Everything oh. It's like living at Epcot in Disneyland. It's like everything oh, is clean God. and sterile, and it, that is the experience, and it's very hot. And so I just felt really oppressed living there. Just personally, I didn't feel like there was a lot of room for artistic people. And so I... I understood that she wasn't happy, but I didn't really get why, because she had all this money. She could just fly and do whatever she wanted. And then I remember she started posting on Facebook and I'm not on Facebook really anymore, but as she would post, I was like, what's I don't understand what she's doing. And she did this challenge where every day she did a little paragraph of what she was grateful for. Wow. And she heard the challenge was, this was probably 2014. It was a gratitude journal every single day you have to do it for 365 days and see if your mood improves wow. and sure enough every post she would just get they would get lighter and more vibrant and more like she was slowly getting more ecstatic <laughs> and like, so i awesome. mean yeah and i and i remember being like huh I'm like okay gratitude whatever 
But <laughs> then I was like, sweet, at least she's not unhappy now. <laughs> I mean, like from a very peripheral, like I had no yeah. concept of her personal life. But I remember seeing her do it. And then I started looking into it in gratitude. And, and basically, everybody that I sort of look up to as people who have achieved sort of impossible feats, gratitude is something they all kind of have in common. Yeah. And saying thank you for what you have, as opposed to always feeling like you don't have enough. Wow. That's, I love that you just shared that because it's, it's definitely powerful and it sounds like it's impacted you greatly. Yeah. So, I mean, I try that. I I don't know, but, but I do try to, you know, I try to say thank you for, for everything that I can and and really feel it. I think you can't just write out like a, a hollow thank you note to your life, but it's like, you know, really look at the things that are good, you know, my mom is trying it right now and it's pretty impressive to see her mood lately because yeah. And I kind of thought it was like a little light to change people's like people kind of have their habits by the time they're in their sixties. And it's interesting actually. She's really, she's really making some interesting steps and our conversations are kind of a bit lighter and you know, it can be anything. It can be anything like, you know, I'm grateful today that I have money in my bank account and that I, that I can afford to get coffee and, you know, that I get to talk to my parents. Like those are things I'm really grateful for. Or I got this awesome audition and I did really well, or maybe the audition didn't go well, but I'm really glad that I hit these things that I wanted to get in that audition. Yeah. Do you think that that helps you? Like, do you, do you journal? Like, let's say you have an audition at two o'clock in the afternoon. Do you Mm -hmm. journal that morning or is there anything you do that helps you get ready? Well, I practice TM, which it's a really human experience. It, like sometimes it's good and sometimes it's kind of like, oof, I feel really anxious today. And Is that transcendental meditation? Correct. Yeah. Transcendental meditation. I, I've been practicing for just over two years now and 20 minutes twice a day. And it, it's great. I mean, it, it's been an amazing, amazing addition to my life. I had severe anxiety. Like I didn't know what to do. And yeah, I, I mean, it really, wow. I mean, things felt really overwhelming right before. Uh, it was a was it a hard American month. Woman or was it? Yeah, this was before American Woman happened just a couple months after. And wow, okay. I mean, once I started meditating, things really like for a second, I don't know. I mean, it's a slow lifetime process of taking each meditation as it is. And some days I feel anxious, some days I don't. But man, like, yeah. So I can I tell you another crazy manifesting story? Please. Okay. Please. So I have this one. I had to make my thesis film for, for NYU and I had written, I was living here in Los Angeles and I had written this script and it, and I said, well, the script is going to be a song because I wanted to perform this song on the guitar and all this stuff. But at this point, I'd only been playing guitar for like a month oh and I'd never God. written a song. I'd never written a song before. And this was two weeks before, <laughs> two weeks before we had to shoot. You're crazy. Right? It's, it's raining in Los Angeles. My car got, I hit a rock that had like fall because there was all this rain in Los Angeles. It was February and this rock had fallen off the side of the cliff on Mulholland and I hit what? it and it broke the tire arm. So, and then my room was flooding. All this crazy stuff had just like come down around me and I still had to make this film and I had these people ready to do this and I had a deadline for school. And so I had been meditating for like probably two months at that point and, and really diligent about it and just trying to be open to the experience and whatever. And, and, I was ready to write this song and I kind of started it and I had my friend help me find some like a, a chord pattern and or progression and all this stuff. And, and then I, I was going to take some digital Polaroids at, at my modeling agency at the time. And 
I got into the Uber and I started talking. I was like, oh man, you're never going to believe the two weeks that I've had and like whatever. And the Uber driver is this really cool guy who's now a friend of mine. And he's like, oh man, me and my girlfriend have this studio downtown. You should just come. Like, just come and we'll write a song. Oh, my I was like, gosh. okay. I was like, all right. Like, I kind of have ideas. Like, I have this poem and all this stuff. And I was kind of, I write a lot of breakup songs. So, <laughs> okay. I was like, I kind of have these, like, I kind of have these, like, these ideas. And I went down and we wrote this song. And, and we, we just finally picture locked because we had a pretty delayed process. But the video has finally come together. And now we're getting a composer and all this stuff. But seeing the song as it was. Wow. And as it is, reminded me of, wow, like I just got into an Uber right before we were about to shoot this video. I had nothing except that I had, I knew I had to write this song Yeah, and it was right there. And I wrote this song and I, I am still like, I, I couldn't be happier with it. I so, love that. I mean, you just, it, it's about sharing, right? Sharing what you're willing, able and ready to share. And you're so in tune with what you want. Mm-hmm. And what you're, or and or what you're passionate about, that you're open to those connections. I think that there's a part of every human that it has to decide, like, am I going to be open about this or not? And like, we all know how you can like put your headphones in in an Uber and kind of yeah. give them the like, I'm not interested in discussing anything today. And then there's the times when and I have these days too where I get in, I'm like, hey, how's your day? And they're like, how's your day? Yeah. And you just like shout it up and then you never you literally never know so i think i think desperation also can lead to breakthroughs though which are helpful like i know desperation isn't what we go for but in my (laughs) life personally when i when and you always hear it it's like when you people are their most desperate sometimes it's like the breakdown to break through you have to break down to break through and i don't necessarily want that for my life all the time but definitely some of my biggest breakthroughs have been when i was like you know with meditation for example i was really i remember there was a point where i called my cousin and i was like i don't i don't know what to do i don't know if i should talk to a therapist i just don't know what to do and then you know i I remembered my dad had always said oh well if you do tm like we can help you pay for it and not that i recommend that TM is the only way to do this, but it's like finding those outlets, whether it's like, you know, there's counseling services for people who are low income or LGBTQ youth, like anybody who might, I I suggest putting it out there and start actively making the, the steps to bring it into your life. Yeah. Because desperation can really, really surprise you. Like what, what can come out of that? Sorry to interrupt. I may be speaking to only a few of you out there, but you a few people need to hear this. Crossroads of Fitness has opened up our coaching services to basically allow for newly certified, hungry to help people, people coach their own followers in fat loss. So not only will we be training you on how to be an epically amazing coach, but you will be able to make money with our systems, our website, and under our umbrella, thus removing the need to start an LLC or any of the other hurdles a lot of us face when it comes to starting a business. We are going to allow you to have your own side hustle via coaching the people you know and love with our Dare to Eat systems. If you have any interest at all, 
Email us for your application today that my email address is in the show notes. And again, not all of you can resonate with this or relate to this, but if you have any interest in fat loss coaching, you have the certifications and you are excited to help people, shoot us an email and we'll see if it's a good fit. Now, carry on. And I'm curious where, because, you know, from what I know about you, your kind of big breakthrough as as far as, getting more notoriety as an actor because you're more mm. than an actor. You're a filmmaker. So, so much more. You're a writer. <laughs> you're a creator. And I would love to know where your head was at before American woman, just because I feel like uh, yeah. it prob- that, that project probably gave you a lot more confidence and, and, you know, clout. And yeah. so I would, yeah, I would love to know where your head was at before. And then, yeah. Now. So, so I had this Instagram account before that I deleted that had like I'd had for a couple of years and it had, you know, like a couple thousand followers. It was like a bigger account than what I have now. Now it's very small and private and all that. But I remember this post that right before I sort of got rid of it, that was a, a picture of me that I kind of liked. And it was a quote from Brad Pitt who said that something to the effect of he just feels like he's never he was there was this thing about sharks and they never stopped swimming oh yeah and he said so i guess i'm just like a shark i just have never stopped swimming and for me at the time i was i just wrapped shooting part of that video that i my thesis film so i was editing that at a library in los angeles and then i had gotten a job at this restaurant called cafe gratitude and i was doing some like training or something with them and mid-training and they were really really strict and mid-training i got an email from my manager and he was like hey they want you to come into warner brothers to try out for this uh, part and then every day i would come back and they'd be like hey they want you for a callback and hey they want you for a chemistry test with alicia silverstone hey they want me one more time i mean at the end of it i was like are you guys gonna start paying me for these auditions (laughs) (laughs) i'm like yeah no yeah because i'm like losing i lost my job but that is all to say i took that Brad Pitt quote. So I remember the Instagram post that I posted was cheers to my year of being a shark. So that's what that was. I was going to make my short film. I didn't care if Hollywood was going to cast me or not. I had to get a job to pay for my bills because I'm an adult and that's what you do. And you know, there wasn't the need, that word that I think can sometimes derail us. Wow, I didn't that's need so true. Someone. I can't wait to that. Yeah, tell me your story with it because I'm I'm still I'm saying this right now, but as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna go off and be like, oh, what was I just, what was I saying? So, so tell, tell me your experience. It's the you you were basically getting at the point that like when you feel like you need something and it's all or nothing that you focus so much on that that it's and and this might, I might be taking like your idea a different route, but it's almost like a scarcity mindset. And yeah. I, had, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my biggest breakthrough was actually right before I met my boyfriend and I had been on 55 dates with 35 unique individuals. Like I, wow. Yeah. I was, I love that you're counting them 55 with 35. That's, that is like, well, that is someone who knows what's going on. Try so hard that you're just like, you're, I mean, I wanted to say that I was the Brad Pitt, just never giving up, never giving up. But a big part of me felt so such a need 
that I focused so much on the need of like finding this avatar person that I thought I needed Mm -hmm. that I wasn't focused on like all the positive stuff around me. So my dad and my stepmom had a baby right after I turned 26 and the baby really brought the whole family together. Like my brothers came in from out of town, like aunts, uncles, everyone was around. And my dad has this giant couch in his basement and we were all sitting on it. And Mm -hmm. I just remember being like, I am so lucky I have my entire family here. Everyone's healthy and I don't need anybody. Like if I end up being single for the next 15 years and writing my book and doing like all the writing stuff I want to do and whatever business stuff, I'm good. And then I, I like met Jeff two weeks later. So getting rid of that need was, I think for me, it got rid of the scarcity mindset and like the, it triggered the abundance mindset. Yeah. Let me, there's this quote that I, that I also think ties into this. That's from Maya Angelou. Ooh. 10 pieces of life changing advice from Maya Angelou, who, you know, is an amazing author and actress and all these things. And so one of the ones that's really stuck with me is we have to confront ourselves. Do we like what we see in the mirror? And according to our light, according to our understanding, according to our courage, We'll have to say yes or no and rise. Ooh. Which I kind of like. I like that a lot because if you think back to Fishers, Indiana, where we come from, there's a yeah. lot. There's a lot of who got into what school, what grades did you have, what kind of car did you get, how is your family? Like my mom was divorced, so it was like kind of weird at first for families to understand that. And you know, what college did you go to? And it was all about measuring up to these things. And yet, mm-hmm. you know, you are a perfect example of just being like, this isn't working for me. So I'm going to choose to leave and go out of state. And, you know, you went to New York and Berlin and, and now you're in LA. And that, that to me is like a really good example of your story. And then it's a good reminder for myself to just remind, like tell myself that I can design myself as I wish. Yeah, and it, it's at the end of the day, are you happy with the person you are? And I think that that takes time. And I know for a fact I'm not fully there yet. Yeah. And I'm I, not. I agree. I'm not either. Yeah. It, and that's okay. You know what I mean? It's like we're in our late 20s. It's like a lot of things are happening. This is a really interesting time in everybody's life that a lot of people don't really talk about is how many things change between 26 and 30. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a name for it called Saturn Return that some people. What? I've never heard like, that. Yeah, I never. I had not heard of it until I moved to LA. But when I I started talking about it, you know, my, my for example, my parents divorced their first partners and then were are now married to each other. But my mom had divorced her high school boyfriend who became her husband. My dad changed careers. He went from being an English teacher to an international banker. You know, I graduated from NYU with a degree in directing and now I'm acting professionally. You know, there's a lot of things that just change and shift and, and you're confronted with yourself a lot. Oh, yes. And that's one thing I'm really grateful for in LA is that it is so isolating in, in a certain sense that it forces me to look into the mirror a lot and say, am I, am I happy? Is this the person that I like waking up with? Because if it's not, what steps can I take today to be that person? 
Yeah. Are there are there certain components in just the industry in general that keep you happy? So like if you're on a job that you don't really love mm-hmm. as an actor, is it writing mm-hmm. that keeps you going or or film like what is it for you that's like the What do I do while I'm waiting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm directing my next short film that will do whatever it will do. And I'm finishing up a short film that took forever and is my thesis from from NYU and I'm working with actors in a different way as a director, you know, and a writer and, and doing rehearsals with them and learning. I mean, God, getting to work with Beth Grant in any capacity, she is such a role model. You know, she she never turns down a project that she believes in, regardless of the size. It doesn't matter if it's the Mindy Project or if it's a Coen Brothers movie or if it's, you know, she was in Jackie and Speed and all these like, I mean, she's in everything. It's like when you see her face, she is in every movie. <laughs> and But that doesn't stop her from you know, taking on a little project like mine because she believes in it. And that, you know, she gave me such good advice when I first came to LA and, and getting to work with her, for example, is like, God, what a master class for somebody who's doing what I want to do. Seriously. And yeah, so how can I not at least feel a little bit of gratitude for that? You know, and yeah, okay, auditions suck sometimes, but sometimes they're great. And some, you know, it's like free acting class. That's a, so, you know, I didn't think of it that way. I was yeah. say, you had said something about staying a fan and, and what you're saying right now, yeah. that really reminds me of, of that. Well, well you, you know, know what's funny, funny is that that's a Billy Bob Thornton quote from his book. His has like a spoken autobiography that somebody else wrote. And he says, always be a fan. And you know who loves that quote because they're friends is Beth. <laughs> no way. Beth loves that quote. Yeah, we talked about, because she, she knows him personally. I, I don't know him at all, but. I read the book and I love his work. And, and so that's, that's, it's funny that that's who it reminds you of because it's all, you know, and again, and I'm sure she has people that she's a fan of. And I don't think looking up is always a bad thing. I think sometimes we're like, Oh, well I was looking up and that doesn't necessarily make you small just because you're looking up at something doesn't make you any smaller. I love that. It's, you know, it's, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with admiring someone or, or modeling some part of your work off of what you admire, not in a copycat way and just like a general, like, I don't know, preference of something you really like and you really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And just being able to say like, you know what? I love that. Yeah. I, I, I really love that. And I think that that's something that I definitely need to remind myself of on a daily basis is like, Oh yeah. You know, I, I love the process and I, I love working with people. And when my friends book a job, that's awesome. That is really, really awesome. And just because I am not booked on something right now, doesn't make me less excited for their Ooh, I bet that's experience. Yeah. That comes back to scarcity. Oh, you know, you're there's so enough right. for everybody. There's enough for everybody. And you have to believe that and you have to remind yourself of it yeah. so that it can be present in your life. Because you getting a job doesn't mean that there's not a job for me. True. Yeah. And that, that happens, I think, in a lot of different industries, not even just Hollywood. I think it's, I see it in my industry with people starting online businesses and coaching and fitness. And you really do have to remind yourself that your offering is completely different anyway, because you're a unique individual that's going to give something completely different and that you're right. There is something for everybody. But I'm really curious when you're writing, 
And so I actually find that if I am reading anything remotely close to like a subject that I might be writing on, I, I have to stop because I will want to like take on a tone or think of a word. Like I cannot read while I'm in a writing process. Do you go through that? At yeah. Time? I'll have like a reading phase and then I'll be more into writing or, or I'll read things that are like a science fiction or like a meditation book while I'm writing a novel kind of thing. Like I can't mm-hmm. do two. Like I can't do two. Like when I was writing Dare to Move, I, I had a memoir that I really liked about a girl who was 25. And I was like, I can't read this because I, I worry I'll take on any tone that this author has or, or compare in that way. I, think, I need to put blinders on. Yeah. I mean, I think it depends. I think it's probably specific to like each person. I think, you know, for me, it's, for example, I'm doing a, a, the script that I'm working on right now is all around Christmas and, and a sort of Midwestern, the setting is this very like traditional Christian Midwestern family. They're not, they're not fully Christian, but you can just see it's Christmas, you know? And so when I was home, I was really soaking Ooh. myself and like steeping in what my family was doing, what, I watched every Christmas movie I could, which I do all the time, but I was like, what do I love about this? Because the idea of the story is this lady feels like an outsider because she, you know, she doesn't want to have kids. And so for her to feel feel like like an outsider, she has to sort of want secretly to fit in in some way because, and so I was like, why do I want to fit in? What do I love about being here? Because if you hate something all the way through, you don't want to be around it anyways. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I don't go home for Christmas because I want to feel like, you know, different than everybody. But I go home because my family and I love to be there and I love to be around them. But then every now and then something pops up and I'm like, ooh, I don't feel the same. And so anyways, so my point being, that's a really long way of me saying that I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing for me personally to write while I'm immersed in something. But I think for somebody else that could totally be the opposite yeah i guess it, it depends on your lens of like am i doing this for research like i've been listening to a podcast called podcast about the emerald triangle because of my brother cool. the book on, book on my brother right but right, like, right if i read a, a coming of age story about a young guy i would be thrown because i wouldn't want to conf- like, take yeah that's what i was getting at like i definitely agree that the research immersing yourself in it all of that like i spent a couple weeks writing in Aspen, Colorado, like where my brother would snowboard and stuff. But it's definitely tricky for me. So do you have any anything you do as a writer? Because I know some of the people listening may actually either be writers or be interested in writing. Yeah. So if you're doing screenwriting, I would say one, try out Julia Cameron's The Artist Way, which is she's like a writing guru and ex-wife I think of James Cameron who's like a famous director of like Titanic and Avatar and all that she has this thing called morning pages that they would make us do at NYU where we would wake up first thing in the morning before you sort of have all your thoughts like grab your coffee and whatever and then you sit down and write for 30 minutes you just free write and you don't look at your phone you don't stop you don't go back you don't erase you just write straight keep writing (laughs) and you know stretch your hand out if you need to but like that's about it so that really I was just talking with an actor the other day and they said they were talking, they brought up the artist's way and the stuff you come up with after about 15 minutes is just coming straight from your subconscious. And so that is really good. If you're, if you're looking for something to try and exercise to try, because really at the end of the day, 
if this is what you want to do, you have to treat it like a muscle group. You know, you're not, yeah, you're yeah. not just going to run into the gym and bench press 150 pounds if you've been out of practice for two years, you know, or if you have never been in the gym. You need to start somewhere and you need to start coming to the gym every day and you have to start showing up and, you know, and so that's what this is. And it's the same with acting too. It's like you have to rigorous, you have to be rigorous and unbending with your craft. <sighs> and you have to treat it just like a body part just like a muscle group, because if this is what you say you want to do, you have to be kind to yourself in so many ways, but you cannot let up if you want this muscle to build. And Meryl Streep doesn't, I would assume, I don't know her personally, but like, I don't know if she would just walk onto a set totally untrained at 25 and be able to do what she did at 40 or 50 or 60 as this sort of well-oiled you know, well taken care of instrument. She knows exactly how to use her instrument. And I guarantee you that if you asked her, oh, you know, Julianne Moore has this quote and Julianne Moore, I think is just on the exact same level. I mean, they're just fantastic. Kate Blanchett. I, lo- I love watching these people work. And somebody asked Julianne Moore about her career and she said, they're like, do you believe in luck or something? And her response was no, but I believe in hard work. Yeah. And I, you have to believe in hard work. <laughs> otherwise you know luck is fleeting and it happens and it goes just like everything else but hard work will keep you writing will keep you making music and you have to be disciplined and whatever you say you are you gotta be, it. be disciplined at it you know i make music for example and i'm not a musician i don't call myself a musician because i i just make songs when i want to randomly and they're not always good and i'm very loose it's my hobby yeah my hobby is music. So when people ask me if I'm a musician, I can strum a few chords and I can sing a little bit and all that. But like, that's not where I fight and I craft and I shape things. That's not my space to build a craft. And I have a question for you because I think a lot of people we're in an age where you can pretty much make a living doing anything that you want. I mean, we have so many tools, right? You can start driving Uber tomorrow if you really want. So Totally. A person who has a hobby, right? And they're they're flirting with that line of is this hobby or is this career? Is there any like things that you would say make it more evident that okay, this is not something you should make your craft? Like for you, is it just because you purely don't love music as much or you don't you find yourself just not wanting to put the time in like I love music. I'm gonna release an EP this year. I love it. But I am not a musician. I see my friends. I have friends who are musicians and it's disrespectful for me to even consider myself a musician, seeing how hard they work. I have talents. I have gifts in that department. I like making music. I've played shows and all this stuff, but it's purely a hobby. And even my parents are like, why are you not pursuing? I have that conversation with people. I don't know. I love making films. I love studying films. I don't study musicians yeah, at all. I, see what I have, it's like, I have like, like records. Rec- I have favorite records and stuff like that. But when I see people who just learn scales and they jam and they, you know, they do all this stuff, I'm like, I love watching other musicians. I'm such a fan of other musicians. I go to shows all the time. I love it. I absolutely love a musician in their element. But my element, for whatever reason, is film. I love cinema. I love telling stories that way. I love the work. Mm-hmm. that goes into it you really have to love the work that would be I'm, I'm i shouldn't i'm not saying this like i'm any sort of expert i'm just saying like the difference for me is i love the work i see and then you're going to keep showing up for it because you thoroughly enjoy it which right you could give me a record deal with interscope tomorrow and i wouldn't show up for the work i would show up for a paycheck 
Yeah. You give me a million dollars to do this album. Okay, fine. I'll drag myself through it. I have three songs. Yeah. What the hell is that? Like, I don't love the work. That makes. I love the hobby. hobby. I love just playing in my room. I love screaming out these notes. I love playing like a really good Smiths cover. I love covering other people's music. I love covering Paolo Nutini and I can hit the notes and I love that. I love that feeling, but I don't think my neighbors love it, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Yeah. And the difference for me, sorry, this is taking a, a while to circle it. The difference for me that I would say is I love going to acting class. I love trying stuff. I love the free fall of putting myself in a situation and saying, Ooh, that didn't quite work. Okay. What can I do now? What can I do next time? I love taking notes. I have these notebooks just full of like, okay, well that didn't work in that audition, but let's, okay, well this time I'm going to try this next time and I'm going to go in and character next time, but, oh, that was too intense. Maybe I should just suggest the character, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, wow. you know, so much goes into it. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's really what I would interesting. Say. I would love to you, for you to share, because you did bring up your mom and you did briefly mention your cousin. I know you guys are close. You told me your all time career high and I absolutely <laughs> loved that story. And yeah. I'd love for you to share that story just because it's just, it's another weird, like entangled web of sure. sure. Yeah. So, so growing up, I have a cousin, she's two years older than me, maybe three. Uh oh, hopefully she doesn't hear this. <laughs> She's only a couple of years older than me. And we grew up in Indiana and I would go up to South Bend to see her and my grandma and everything when we were kids and she would always make me watch is Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, Truth About Cats and Dogs, and Clueless. And that was just like that was our rotation. You know what I mean? It was never anything else. <laughs> it was always Clueless was always in there somewhere. And I think for women and girls of a certain age, Clueless is like a very and and boys, I, I, I but I think I've talked to a lot of women who like Clueless is like a pinnacle. Of course, film, yeah, I'm, right? I, I, I agree. <laughs> is it for you as well? Yeah, I mean, I remember okay. it was always on TV, and I was mystified. Yeah, right, right, right. It's just it speaks to a sort of generation of person, and so when I got this job and I was shooting with Alicia and doing all this stuff, and to me, she was always Batgirl because she was in. I had this action figure of her when I was a kid. Oh, of her, I think they, I think they just put her head on George Clooney's body. Like she was in she was in that Batman with George Clooney and like the action figure. She didn't even know it existed. And I tried to find it so I could leave it in her dressing room one time. But there's this action figure that was like her with this like super jacked, like ripped body and like her head on top. And I was like, I think they like the manufacturer just got lazy and was like, you know what? <laughs> it's fine. Like that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Oh my gosh. So anyway, so that's kinda how I that was my cultural touchstone for who she was as an actress and anyway so after all this was said and done my cousin just happened to be living in los angeles at the time and they had invited me to this screening at warner brothers to see the the tv show that we did american woman so we you know we go into this we have our pass and we can drive onto the lot and it's me and my cousin who is essentially like a sister you know with how close we are in age and you know, I introduced her to Alicia and the other actors, Mina Savari and all these people. And then we're all sitting there and then the lights go down and, and just like being there, seeing myself on screen with this actress who we sort of grew up watching together and her being in the room was such a, a full circle experience for me. And, and I, I, on the drive home, I, I called my cousin and I, I said, you know, that was really probably one of the most special parts of it for me was, was getting to do that. And then not only that, I was so grateful for that moment. And then it just 
happened that the premiere was at this place called the Chateau Marmont here in Los Angeles on my birthday. And I flew my mom out as a surprise. And my mom and my cousin and I got to spend my birthday this past year together. together. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm that, that fills me with, with so much, you know, pride and emotion because how wow. on my, I, my I birthday, yeah. on my birthday is the premiere of this TV show. I mean, and the show had been delayed several times and, you know, they weren't sure what time of year they were going to release it. And, you know, it, it wasn't like the show was done and then in May it just premiered. It was like, there were several yeah. steps to this happening that it just happened to land on my birthday and that I got, my mom got to have time off from work and, you know, my cousin was living in town and got to be there with me. And I mean, so it was, yeah. yeah, it's hard not to just, my heart was so, is so full. Just Bursting. even thinking about it right now, you know, it, ugh, I just can't, I, I, I really can't. Like I, be I, I didn't even know what enough. to expect when I first asked you that question. And when you told me that story, <laughs> I was just blown away because yeah. again, you can't, plan for it. I mean, you obviously had this guiding part of you that said, I'm going to be in this industry. I'm going to work my ass off to be in this industry. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to meet the right people. I'm going to like follow like what my true passion is and just trust. And then Mm -hmm. you had this whirlwind experience and you meet James Franco and you land a spot on American woman. And then your cousin, like, I mean, it's all just, it's absolutely crazy. But also at the end of the day, like in five years, it will make even more sense than it does now. Yeah. In yeah. probably another crazy, weird way. And, and I, I can only, you know, hope to, to follow your journey for the next five years because <laughs> well, you will. it's a great story. Yeah. And I, I'll have a, I'll have a podcast interview with you next time. Cause this time I've been just talking about myself and no, but this is <laughs> next time we're talking about you. To, what I love, what I love about connecting with people like you is it's one thing to say, okay, on a piece of paper, I can show some type of success or I can show some type of notoriety. And I like to feature people who have some type of power to their name, just so that listeners are enticed to, to, you know, press play. Right. But the people that I'm selecting are people who are in tune with that internal voice. And, right. and in tune with it so much that they even know when they're like, oh, maybe I'm not as in tune with it as I could be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, the person that I really look up to is, is my friend Jill, who I put you in contact with because yes. she's, she seems very excited to do it. And she, I, I don't want to hype her up like too much, but just, she was the first person that, can I tell you a man, another man? All right, guys, that is all for today. Part two with Sam will go live on Wednesday. And I just wanted you guys who follow me to know that we are actually opening up Crossroads of Fitness Fat Loss Coaching for the month of April. So we are enrolling certified coaches right now. All you have to do is apply and you're hearing it first. So if you're listening to this, when this goes live, our applications are officially opening and we're launching the good news tomorrow, February 11th. But obviously, if you're listening to this in the end of 2019, just a little reminder that our program is now going to be available. The Dare to Eat program will be available for coaches to use and coach their own clients. If you have any questions, let me know. And guys, stay tuned for more with Sam. I am so excited to share this with you and even more a bonus episode next Thursday on official Valentine's Day. Talk to you soon.
If you guys are putting up your preach hands and nodding your head yes to things that are said either out of my mouth or out of my interviewees' mouths, and you so, so, so relate, we would absolutely love to see you post about our podcast in your Instagram stories. Please also comment on our Instagram Dare to Move podcast posts. If you do a post in your stories three times and you comment on one of our podcast posts and you give us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you are using, we will be rewarding one lucky person every month with a $100 gift card to Amazon. Your comments, your feedback, your critiques, and your reviews are so helpful to us. So thank you for those of you who have done them. And please, please, please help us out if you are enjoying our content. It helps us out when you share it with your community and when you tell iTunes that we're doing a great job. So please comment, please share on Instagram in your stories, please comment on our Dare to Move podcast post and we will enter your name into a drawing for a hundred bucks. Easy money, guys. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to connect, you can reach me at Garrett N. Wood on Instagram or the podcast Instagram at Dare to Move Podcast. Imagine that. I hope you have an amazing day. And just so you know, our podcast is where we explore all the productivity hacks, business scaling tools, and unique characteristics and personality traits of entrepreneurs leading the way in the portfolio lifestyle. Get inspired, gain actionable steps, and feel like you're connecting with genuine people who are making an impact all by way of careers which they designed. And that being said, if you are someone doing any of the aforementioned, I would love to have you on the show. I obviously explore my network and reach out to the people I know, but I want everyone to have an opportunity. So do not hesitate to reach out and request an interview. And let me know if you know somebody who you think would be really exciting for the Dare to Move podcast to interview. I hope you have an awesome day. And as always, dare to move. Dare to move.